You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. In the field, number 70. We're talking about practice. Hello, you play to win the game. The Yankees are champions of baseball. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Three, two, one. Happy 2000. No time on the clock. And the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Short open. Chicago with the lead. Worldwide Sports Radio Network presents Below the Mic. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Below the Mic. I'm your host, Errol Marks. And remember, you can call us at 347-855-7684. Again, the number is 347-855-7684. Remember, you can follow us on www.worldwidesports.com. You can check radio.com. I'm sorry, worldwidesportsradio.com. You can follow us on Periscope, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well... Ladies and gentlemen, I am back, and I want to give a shout-out to my partner, Sean, who has his own show now on, I I think it's Fantasy Sports Radio, if I'm not mistaken, but I want to give a shout-out to Sean. It's it's incredible when you see the growth of different people in this game and in this world of radio, and sports radio is is really competitive, and I want to give a a shout-out to Sean for his hard work and his dedication to the sports world to really get his name out there. And now he's uh, he's got his own show over there at Fantasy Sports Radio. So shout out to Sean. But nevertheless, we have a lot of sports to talk about. But first things first, I want to go into today's news. And before I get into my own life and, and what I'm doing, not only off air, but just all the different things that I do out outside of radio and sports, the stuff that's going on in the world, it, it's, it's crazy. Not only is the Jersey Shore up and down, you have, you have Paulie D and Vinny having their own show, and they're going to have their own show on MTV. It's going to be another Bachelor show or something like that. It just it, it seems to me, if it's not J-Lo and it's not um, Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, or all the stuff that's going on in sports, to me, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke what's going on when there's so much going on, bad things going on in the world, and, and all you hear is you all, all you hear is the things that people want to hear. You go on Channel 7, you go on Channel 2, Channel 4, all they talk about is the same old stuff. If it's not polarizing or bad, they're talking about things that mean absolutely nothing to the world. But to me, sports gets you away from that. Sports keeps you away from that. And that's what I love about sports radio and, and the things that I love to talk about. And in this Kim Kardashian thing, this, this Kardashian thing, Khloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson, the only reason why I'm interested in the story is because Tristan Thompson is involved with it, which Tristan Thompson plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's a um, power forward. I wouldn't even say star power forward. He's a decent power forward in a league. And, and to me, who cares about Tristan Thompson? It's not LeBron James. It's not anything that has anything to do with New York sports. So why does anybody give a crap what is going on? But you have to talk about it because it's news. I mean, look at the... The top stories, Allie Baldwin's hat just sent a very clear message about Justin Bieber drama. Who cares? Who cares about Justin Bieber? 
Who cares about Hallie Baldwin? The fact that Hallie Baldwin is, or Haley Baldwin, whatever her name is, <laughs> the fact that she is from Long Island, born and raised here in Long Island, that would be the only story here in Long Island that I give a crap about. But these stories are horrendous. Every, every other story is about the Kardashians and J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez. It's ridiculous. I don't care. I don't think anybody cares. But it's a story. It's drama. And that's why people listen to it. So that's my spiel there. As far as my EMT course today, uh, I'll tell you this right now. As far as the first chapter is concerned, it is one boring class. I was dozing off. Uh, After the video went on, it was a 51-minute video. I was sitting there, and I was listening and trying to to take take in and, and write and take notes. Boy, oh boy, it is a boring, boring chapter. Now, I, I'll tell you this right now. I hope it gets more interesting because, to me, it can't get any more boring. But you want to know, I give a shout-out to the Nest Concert Fire Department. Uh, I'm, I'm working on my EMT. I want to give a shout-out to all the fans that have been waiting for me to do this show every week. It will be done. It, this show will be going on every single Thursday at 1030 at night. It will be a two-hour show. Tonight it will only be about an hour, hour and a half because I have things to do late at night taking care of some things. So I want to give a shout-out to all the fans that are sitting in and listening to the show. And first things first, I want to get into the baseball season, and today was opening day, and boy, oh boy, was it not a great day for the New York teams. First things first, the New York Yankees, and to me, Masahiro Tanaka looked good. Was he great? I wouldn't say he was great. He gave up six hits. I think it was six hits that he gave up before he was pulled in the fifth, at the end of the fifth inning. You look at Masahiro Tanaka, he is not the same dominant Masahiro Tanaka when he came into the league because obviously his UCL, his Tommy John, uh, Tommy John situation, he has a partially tear, he hasn't gotten Tommy John surgery, so he hasn't elevated his game like everybody thought he was going to elevate his game as the years went by because he never got the surgery. But this big story about this New York Yankees and this lineup really was Luke Voigt and Greg Bird. And I know a lot of Yankee fans can't stand Greg Bird. He didn't hit very well today. I think he had one hit. He had one RBI. And you see what uh, Luke Voigt did. He had four RBIs. He had a three-run home run in the first inning. Everybody keeps telling everybody. Everybody keeps talking about, let's get rid of Greg Bird. Greg Bird doesn't belong on this Yankee team, this powerhouse Yankee team. But what the fans don't know is Greg Bird was the number one prospect, hitting prospect in the Yankees' farm system for years. I know the Yankees for the last three years have been hoping that this guy was going to develop his skill and get better. He's been fighting injury. But look at his 570 at-bats in the major leagues. He's still got 30 home runs. I think he's got 20 or 30 doubles. And he's got close to 100 RBIs. Now, if he actually played a full season, who knows he could be a 30 and 100 guy. Now, Luke Voigt, he came to the Yankees. The Yankees made the trade with the Cardinals at the trade deadline, and he he completely took over uh, the Yankees' locker room. He became a popular player, 
everybody loves this guy. And everybody thought it was just a guy that came out of nowhere. The Yankees made a trade. They didn't give up much to get Luke Voigt. And he becomes a superstar in his second half of the season, hitting, I think, 15 home runs and 35 RBIs. And was very dominant. He was a big part of the Yankees' run uh, through the wild card game as well. You have to look at both these players. Now, is Luke Voigt that much better than Greg Bird? No. Now, the Yankees need power lefties in their lineup. They need to split up the righties. I don't care what anybody says on any of the other shows. It gives the it gives the lineup more duration. It gives them lefty-righty, righty-lefty. It helps the lineup. I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter about what everybody says about the lineup. You need you, It doesn't matter if you have all righties in a lineup. It does. And I don't care what Brian Cashman says. If he could have went out and there was a big-time lefty, and everybody says Bryce Harper, the Yankees weren't going to pay a player $300 million this year. They weren't going to do that. They went after relief pitchers, which you saw one today. You, you, you look at the Yankees. The Yankees are stocked with as far as power in their lineup. You have Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton and Luke Voigt and Miguel Andahar and Gary Sanchez and Greg Bird and Glaber Torres and Troy Tulowinski. This team is stocked and stacked with power bats. Now they need lefties. They brought LeMahieu in. He's a right-hander. You look at the Yankees. The Yankees are the team to beat right now in the major leagues. They're stocked. Even their pitching staff. Yes, Luis Savarino is not 100% healthy right now. Luis Severino will be back in, a, in at least a month. You have James Paxton, Masahiro Tanaka, J.A. Happ. Yeah, obviously, we know they have C.C. Sabathia who's coming back from suspension probably in the next couple of weeks. They have Johnny Luizica. They have Haman. They've got some of these young pitchers that they're going to start maneuvering into this pitching staff. This rotation. And everybody knows how strong their bullpen is, even without Patanzas. When they get Patanzas back, they're going to be even bigger and more of a powerhouse. I'll tell you this right now. The fact that the Baltimore Orioles brought this lineup to Yankee Stadium. This is one of the worst lineups I've ever seen in Major League history. Chris Mullins. I don't even I don't even. I, I know Chris Mullins. I think his name's Chris Mullins. If I'm, I'm sorry, Cedric Mullins. Who the hell is Cedric Mullins? I, I tell you this right now. The only person in this lineup that I know is Chris Davis. And he was 0 for 3 in this lineup. This, to me, is one of the worst lineups I have ever seen in American League history. 
and they bring this to Yankee Stadium. And listen, Yankee fans have every right to be happy that they won 7-2 to today. And ah, la, 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 we're going to win 100 games and all these stories. And Luke Voigt hit that monstrous 400-feet home run in the first inning. And we're all lally-gallying and laughing. Everybody knows the Yankees' first month is a very easy month. They got to play Baltimore a couple series. They got to play Detroit in a couple of series. This is a very easy month for the New York Yankees. And right now, without Luis Severino, this could really factor and help the New York Yankees not having Luis Severino in this, this rotation. But I know Yankee fans are going to be happy. Hey, look, look at the look at the game Masahiro Tanaka had. 5.2 innings pitched, one ear, one uh, one earned run, 5 Ks. Starts the season up strong. Look who he's throwing against. Eccentric Mullins. Mancini, Ruiz, <laughs> Ricard, Davis, Nunes. Chris Davis hasn't been good in like 3 years. This is a guy that hit 50-something home runs three years ago and was going up for, uh, he, he had that big contract. Baltimore just gave him, a, I think two years ago, a $100 million contract, spreading it out for eight or nine years. This guy's completely fallen off. And their best player, Manny Machado, became a free agent, decided to trade him away, and now they're rebuilding. And Yankee fans are happy about this. Yes, it was a great day for the New York Yankees. Great opening day game. Luke Voigt and Mariano threw out the first pitch, and he pitched a perfect strike. Great game. This is nothing to be happy about. All you fans out there that are are, Yankee fans are like, oh, they beat the Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles. That have been very, very bad for the last three seasons. Even with Manny Machado, who got a $300 million contract and was traded to the Dodgers last year. Now, when the Yankees start playing the good teams, the Boston Red Sox, and I I, I have something to laugh about today. I had a big argument at my barbershop today, and I'll tell you guys what I was arguing about a little little bit later in the show with uh, Kelvin who's a big Boston Red Sox fan, saying that we're the champions, we're the winners. And, and I, I, we went back and forth, and he was telling me about Giancarlo Stanton, Bryce Harper, and that the Yankees should have gotten Manny Machado. They made a mistake with Giancarlo Stanton. There's nothing... I know it's opening day, and I know Yankee fans want to blow this out of proportion. Listen, the Yankees won a game. Come back tomorrow. James Paxson's on the mound. Win that game. Sweep the Baltimore Orioles. They're not good. Sweep them. As far as the Mets are concerned, the Mets had a very good game. I mean, Jacob DeGrom pitched like Jacob DeGrom. Max Scherzer pitched like Max Scherzer. And Diaz, who the Mets made a trade for, and everybody said it was the the Mets made the trade for Diaz, the relief pitcher, the closer from the Seattle Mariners. The, guy, the two guys that were most important in this game besides Jacob DeGrom was Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, who was just an add-on. Everybody thought was just an add-on. He's washed up. He's not the same player. Well, fans, I'm, I'm just going to let you know something. Robinson Cano, I know it's spring training. 
Robinson Cano led the major leagues in spring training for hits. He had over 400. This is a guy that has tremendous power. Two years ago, he had 39 home runs and over 100 RBIs. He was up for an MVP in Seattle. Not New York, in Seattle. You look at right now, the Mets have this lineup. And and everybody knows I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm not looking and I'm not picking on the Yankees. But the Yankees played the Orioles. Washington is supposed to be one of the best teams. A lot of people, Sports Illustrated, picked Washington to win the division this year with the pitching staff that they have, with Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin. And they just lost Harper in the offseason. They didn't lose that much. Bryce, Bryce Harper had a, his best season as a Washington, a Washington National last year. Well, his second best season. You look at this team right now, the Mets, look at it. Nemo didn't have a good game. Peter Alonzo, everybody's talking about, didn't have a very good game. But the players that you made a trade for in the offseason, the Robinson Cano's of the world, the two RBIs that you need came from Robinson Cano. The closer that the Mets have had problems year in and year out for the last... Since Rodriguez, they've had problems closing games out. Now they have a legitimate closer in Edwin Edwin Diaz. And a 2-0 game where you knew last year, DeGrom gets off the mound in his 7th or 8th inning, you you can't bet that the Mets are going to close out this team. How many times do we see Jacob DeGrom get off the mound 3-0? 3-0. Last season in the seventh or eighth inning, and the Mets couldn't seal the deal. They gave up the three or four runs in the ninth inning and lost in the extra innings. Right now, the Mets are in a good situation. I do believe that if this pitching staff can stay healthy, Zach Wheeler and Syndergaard and DeGrom, I think two out of these three guys could be Cy Young candidates this year. That's how good they are. That's how stacked they are. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said this over and over again, I think Zach Wheeler has better stuff than Noah Syndergaard. And I think he could be up for a Cy Young this year. A guy that's going to be a free agent in the offseason. He's looking for big money. And I was arguing again today with somebody telling me that Zach Wheeler, if he he wins 14, 15 games, he doesn't think he's going to get more than $80 million. Patrick Corbin got $138 million from the Nationals. He had his best season last year. I think he had 11 wins. Zach Wheeler had 11 wins in the second half of the season. If Zach Wheeler has anywhere close to the second half of the season that he has throughout the season, he's going to make himself a lot of money, and the Mets aren't going to pay him. And this lineup is not bad. You got Eaton leading off the Kid Turner, the shortstop, the the, the young, talented shortstop. Randone, who com- couldn't hit DeGrom. DeGrom completely shut him down. Soto got shut down today. Zimmerman. This is a good lineup. A very talented lineup. And they couldn't hit Jacob DeGrom. Ten strikeouts. And, I, you know, I listened to Tyler's show a little bit, and he says, Max Scherzer had a better game than Jacob DeGrom. 
Well, look at the, look at this. Look at it this way. Yes, he had more strikeouts. Jacob Degrom pitched one inning less. He had no earned runs, ten Ks. To me, I'm taking the guy that won. I'm taking the side the the last year's Cy Young winner. And he got when he stepped off the mound. Anybody that thinks that Jacob Degrom is not happy he got that contract before the season started, watch today's game. Watch the replay of today's game. As far as all the other games, and I, I'll get into the Red Sox debacle, and I, it's a complete debacle. The Red Sox are about, if they haven't lost, they're about to lose. St. Louis loses against Milwaukee. Christian Yelich hit a three-run home run. I'll tell you this right now. Milwaukee lost a lot in their bullpen. And, it, and two guys that will probably be out for the season. One, I know for sure, is out for the season. I'm telling you right now, when you look at some of these teams, there's a lot of good teams right now in the league. Not many teams in the National League that really scare me besides the National League East. I think the National League East is the best league in the National National League. But today was a good day for, first of all, this is the first time in Major League history, that it started this early. The Major League season started this early. Started March 28th. This is the first time in Major League history. It usually starts sometime mid-April. I mean, I'm sorry, not mid-April. Early April, like April 4th or April 7th. This year it started a little, little earlier because they, the league has changed, transitioning, where it's going to give players a little bit more time to heal and rest, time off, games split up a little bit better. But right now, the Brewers, they start off very, very strong. And the Cardinals, I think, are going to be a dangerous team this year. I really do. I think the, Dodge, I, I think the Cardinals, in, in this particular division, and this is a very good division, we, we know how slow Carpenter started off last year. I had him on my fantasy team, completely did, did nothing in the first half, first month of the season. I, I decided to drop him. People started picking him up, and he had an MVP season. Paul Goldschmidt, we know how talented he is, especially getting the extension on his contract before the season starts. Ozuna, we know how talented Ozuna is. This is a very good team. And so is the Brewers. I just worry the strength of the Brewers last year was their bullpen and losing two guys, two significant players. And I'm not talking about Hayter, which is one of the best closers in the league. I'm just talking about the the setup man and the seventh to sixth inning guy, it hurt It hurt them going into the season knowing that they lost two guys in their bullpen. And by the way, how about, how about Bryce Harper getting booed today? Getting booed today, which is incredible. This is a guy that just got a $300 million contract from the Phillies. Nola pitched a very, very good game. But Bryce Harper did nothing in this game. Absolutely zilch. Yeah, I'm sorry. He scored one run. Three at-bats, three strikeouts. And getting booed. That by itself makes you think that, you know, the Philly fans are going to get on him very, very early if this guy doesn't produce. And I told you guys this from the beginning. 
I just I look at Bryce Harper, and when you compare Bryce Harper to Manny Machado and Giancarlo Stanton, I'm sorry, I take Giancarlo, Manny Machado, then Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is too inconsistent. The Tigers win today. They beat the Blue Jays. Two terrible teams, by the way. Two terrible teams. The Blue Jays, which have some pitching. They have some young players that you want to see. Obviously, some of the young pitcher, young pitchers and young players coming up from the farm system. One guy, as you know, his father was a big-time superstar in the league, a Hall of Famer. The Diamondbacks lose against the Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to be good this year if their pitching staff holds up, if they can stay healthy. Clayton Kershaw is already starting the season you know, on the IR. The Astros beat the Tampa Bay Rays. We know how good the Astros are. We know how talented the Astros are. The Cubs knock off the Rangers. The Athletics knock off the Angels. The Padres. Now, I, I didn't see. I, I don't know what Manny Machado did in this game. Let's let's look at the numbers. Oh, he was 0 for 3. Look at the two big guys. Everybody keeps talking about that the Yankees should have taken over John Carlos Stan. The, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Both players 0 for 3 in game 1 with their new teams. Let's see what John Carlos Stan. Oh, by the way, John Carlos Stan had three at-bats. One run, one hit, two base on balls. So he was on. He was on. Uh, he was on first. He was on the plate three out of the four times he was up, and he's batting three thirty three already. And I think he's going to have a breakout season. And I'll tell you this again, just like I told Kelvin today, arguing with him. You match out the numbers of Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, and John Carlos Stanton. You tell me who, what player you want on your team. Even their wars almost identical. Manny Machado's a great defensive player, and I'm not saying John Carlos stands anywhere close to the defensive player as Manny Machado. But I will tell you this something. I will tell you this. I think I think John Carlos Stanton's war is like 39.5, and Manny Machado's I think is 34.5. It's not. You talk about a Gold Glove third baseman to a guy that is not a very good defensive player, but he's not a bad defensive player, underrated defensive player. And if you look at his power numbers to Manny Machado, they're not even close. John Carlos Stanton has, I think, over 117 more home runs than Manny Machado. He has more hits. He has more RBIs. His on-base percentage is better than Manny Machado's. The only thing Manny Machado has better than Giancarlo Stanton is his batting average, and he's only up by .12. I think he's batting .282 in his career, and Giancarlo Stanton's .268. And you want to know something? The Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton on the cheap. They would have had to pay Manny Machado $300 million this offseason. When the Yankees made that move last season... They took on $268 million of the $325 million of, uh, of the extension that the Marlins gave him. And they didn't give up anything for him. The last year's, not last year's, the year, after, the year before's MVP. He was the MVP when he was traded to the Yankees. 
Has Manny Machado ever won an MVP? Tell me that. Bryce Harper's won one. And you want to know, said Bryce Harper is not even in the discussion of Manny Machado and John Carlos Stan. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about because of his left-handed power and what he's done. To me, Bryce Harper is so inconsistent. He's one of the most inconsistent players. He's a superstar player. He's inconsistent. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into March Madness. Yes, March Madness when we come back here on Below the Mic. We'll be back after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and you're listening to Below the Mic. Are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks. As you know, the number is 347-855-7684. I want to give a shout-out to Sean G. His new show on fantasy football, fantasy sports, I'm sorry, the Fantasy Sports Network. He is not going to be on this show for a little while. Hopefully we get him on soon, but it's, uh, it's a great day, man. Opening day, March Madness. Yes, March Madness is here. And, and we obviously, everybody knows I'm a Duke Blue Devils fan, and Duke plays tomorrow, Virginia Tech, and we'll get into Duke uh, next week. Uh, Zion Williamson looks like he's going to be the number one pick in this year's coming NBA draft, but he's played very, very well throughout this tournament, 30 points and, and over 10 rebounds in almost the, the two or three games that he's been in in, in this tournament, two games. Uh, it's incredible right now. This tournament has been very, very fun, and very hard to choose who's going to win. And yes, a lot of the ones and twos are still in this tournament. One of them got knocked out today. One of the twos got knocked out today. And that was one of my uh, championship game teams that I picked. Tennessee uh, getting knocked off uh, Purdue. And I want to say this. Uh, and I, I got to give a lot of credit to Tennessee coming back in the second quarter in this game and taking it to overtime. But you want to know something? The problem all season long with Tennessee is Tennessee, when it when the time gets close or when you're playing when they play a good team and a, a athletic offensive team, they cannot they cannot stick to the game plan and play the game that they play throughout the game. Every game this season, they were they were a tremendous first half team. And in the second half, they completely fell off. In this particular game, they didn't play well in the first half. They played well in the second half. And then when overtime came, they got outscored, out-rebounded to a team that I believe they were better than, Purdue. I thought Tennessee was going to the championship game this year. Boy, was I wrong. Because right now, Purdue is on their way. Every year, Purdue is a very good offensive team, very good rebounding team, has tremendous size every single year. I just thought Tennessee, with their athleticism and what they what they you know the size that they have down the middle and the guard play that they had, the the speed guard play that they had all season long, I thought they were going to be able to compete in that region. And even though they went to the Sweet 16 and they went far in this tournament, this is a team that was very, very talented. This was a team that could have went to the Final Four. 
Could have went to the championship game. And they got knocked off from a better team. Just a completely better team. So I want to give a shout-out to Purdue. Moving on to the Elite Eight. Florida State is another team that I thought was going to be better than they were in this tournament. I thought they were one of the most athletic teams in this tournament with size, great bench, everything. Guard play, post play. This is a team that has so much depth. Gonzaga could be a team right now to be forced to be reckoned with. Gonzaga was a number one, they were number one in their region, 33 and 33 and 3 this year. Has tremendous offense on the outside. Great three-point shooting team. Very good rebounding team. Plays very good team defense. I didn't think Gonzaga was this good. I don't care if they were one seed. How many times have we seen Virginia be a one seed and get knocked off in the second in the semifinals or the quarterfinals? And Virginia right now is up 28-22 against Oregon. I know it's the end. Of, it's going to be the end of the first half. Virginia is a very good defensive team. They have better offense than they usually do year in and year out. They're always a good defensive team in the nation. Usually ranked number one. They're ranked number one right now in the nation defensively. Uh, but they're a better three-point shooting team than they ever have been. So I think they'll have a chance to get to the the Elite Eight. I think they'll get knocked out in the Elite Eight. But Oregon is is going to give them all they can handle in the second half of this game. They're very athletic, and Oregon is definitely a surprise team, the only number 12 team right now still in this tournament. But Florida State getting knocked out. I, I know Gonzaga was a better team. They were better, obviously a better seed. But I thought Florida State was going to give them a bigger, better match. They completely got demolished offensively and defensively and off the boards. They completely got padded around. Texas Tech right now up uh, 16-57 in the second half, 34-18. That's pretty incredible. I thought Michigan, I picked Michigan to win this game against Texas Tech. But if Texas Tech could pull this out, it's a very low-scoring game. I don't think this game is going to go, I don't think any team is going to score more than 60 points in this game. And the fact that Michigan only has 18 points, a uh, Michigan team that's very good offensively, and er- everybody talks about this highly profiled offensive style of game with one of the best offensive-minded coaches in the NCAA. It's incredible that Texas, Tech's, Texas Tech is shutting them down right now, 34-18, with 1657 sec- 16-57 left in the second half. And obviously, everybody knows the big games tomorrow. LSU versus Michigan State. That's going to be a fun game to watch. LSU, I think, is a very surprised team. Everybody knows what happened to their coach going into this tournament. They shouldn't even be in the Sweet 16. And all the different things that happened to them at the end of the season. This was a very big powerhouse offensive team that fell apart in the end of the season. They've played very, very well in this tournament. They're going against Tom Izzo and his Michigan State team that has played very, very well throughout this tournament. And they're one of the favorites to come out of this tournament. Auburn, North Carolina. All you North Carolina fans, Auburn has played very, very well in this tournament, has had a fantastic season. They can absolutely shock the world, knock North Carolina off tomorrow. So could Virginia Tech against Duke. Even though they don't match up as well as Central Florida did against Duke, 
I still think Virginia Tech has a chance of knocking off Duke. Duke is definitely flying high after coming off that unbelievable win against Central Florida. And then there's Houston and Kentucky, and that's the game to watch. The 33-3 and Houston versus Kentucky, the Kentucky Wildcats that has had a fantastic second half of their season. And Calipari, John Calipari, who could absolutely surprise and shock the world and get to the, the you never know, the Final Four, and maybe the, a team that nobody would have thought was championship-bound could win a championship this year. But this tournament has been fun and and great to watch. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in Elite Eight. And Sunday, the Elite Eight starts. So it's going to be fun. It really is a fun, exciting tournament. And, and that's the best part of this sports, especially at this time right now. Sports is the best right now. You got the British Open coming up. You got the NFL the NFL draft next month, or actually coming up this month. The NHL playoffs, which is so fun to watch. The NBA playoffs, which is also fun to watch, even though you know who's going to win, or you have a thought that the three teams that has a chance to win. And then baseball season started today, opening day. Yankees, Mets, and and throughout all the teams. Fantastic time to love sports and be a part of the sports world. Absolutely. But this is the sport I really wanted to get into, and that's the NFL. And man, oh man, the stories came out earlier today about Greg Schiano stepping down. He took the job, the job that was offered by Bill Belichick. Greg Schiano, who is a very good defensive mind, decides to step down and not take the defensive coordinating job of the New England Patriots. I'm going to read this quickly so you guys know what happened. Sorry, I got, I'm getting off being sick. Greg Schiano is stepping down from his position of the New England Patriots coaching staff. Citing a need to spend more time on my faith and family. Shiano, who's hired, had never been officially announced by the club, announces his decision Thursday in a joint statement with Coach Bill Belichick. This is not the result of any one event but rather realization that I need to spend more time with my my faith and my family, Shiano said. I don't want to look back years from now and wish I had done things differently. Therefore, I am taking time away from the game to uh, re-collaborate my priorities. So there you go. Greg Shiano decides to step down. Where does Bill Belichick go? Stories coming out now that Bill Belichick might even take over the reins of the defensive coordinating coaching job, which is interesting to me because over the last, since he's taken over this Patriots job, he's always had a defensive coordinator, Romeo Cornell. He's he's it's had all these defensive guys or guys coming up from the you know the Eric Mangini's of the world. Is this the end of the reign of the New England Patriots? Everybody knows Rob Gronkowski retired the other day. 
Now, I know everybody says you can't count out the New England Patriots. Look at how far they've gone. Every year you think you count them out and look at the look at the offensive players they get. Look at the defensive players, they, the trades that they make at the trade deadline. By the way, you can call the show at 347-855-7684 if you don't see it on the... Um, on the what do we call that? Uh, like skin. <laughs> you see the you see the number right there three four seven eight five five seven six eight four. And the phone lines are working, and I will answer right away if you want to call the show. But Greg Schiano stepping down. Wow. And this is a story because you're starting to think. You're starting to think, is this the end of the reigns of the New England Patriots? They lose arguably their best offensive play. Yes, this guy has not been healthy. I'm talking about Rob Gronkowski. He has not been healthy year in and year out for the last five seasons. But when he is in the lineup, he creates, he creates a lot of problems on the field. Welcome to Below the Mic. Who are we speaking to? Ken. What's up, Kenny? Yeah, I think you're right. This could be the end. Gronk left. This could be the end of the dynasty. Well, Kenny, I know you're a New York Giant fan, and I'm just about to get into the New York Giants. So you're thinking, when, when I'm talking about Greg Schiano and I'm talking about where the Patriots are heading, and I think the Patriots, out of all the teams that have have their ups and the downs every single year. The Patriots have always been successful. Every time they lose a coach, every time they lose a player, somebody retires, somebody does something stupid off and on the field. This is a team that finds a way to win because they have Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going to be 42 years old. Bill Belichick, he, I think he signed an extension with the Patriots this uh, this offseason. And now you, you, you take the coach, you take the defensive coordinator you wanted to add to your team because your defensive coordinator, Ferrier, goes to um, the Miami Dolphins. And now this guy, Greg Schiano, who is very well respectable and, and one of the best defensive minds in college football, decides to step down and take care of his family priorities. And now you're hearing stories that Bill Belichick might take over the reins as a defensive coordinator, which he's never done before in almost 15 years. Wow. That's surprising. And I, and I do want to get into your Giants, by the way, because to me, I've been arguing about this for the last couple of weeks, and, and I know Mikey C. and a lot of Giant fans don't think the Giants are going to draft a quarterback in this year's draft. Boy, oh boy, they're going to be wrong. I think they should. They're going to need one. Okay, so who do you think the Giants should draft? Do they draft a player in the first round, or do they wait until the second round and see if one of, their, one of the players that they want fall to them? I think they should draft somebody in the first round. That's where the great quarterbacks are. Well, there's there's been great quarterbacks drafted in the later rounds. You you, you talk about Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. Uh, Russell Wilson was drafted in the third round. Andy Dalton, who's not a great quarterback but a good quarterback, successful quarterback in the league, he was drafted in the second round. That's true. There are quarterbacks that are drafted. Tony Romo wasn't even drafted. That's all true. You don't need to find a quarterback. Maybe they draft a quarterback in the second round. Wherever there's a good quarterback, they should draft him. 
Well, I, I don't think this is a good quarterback class. I, I think there's only two quarterbacks that I'd be interested in, and obviously everybody knows who those quarterbacks is, are, and I think one of them is going one, so you don't have any chance to get him, and that's Kyler Murray. But Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is sitting there at six. I know everybody keeps saying that the Giants need defense. They still have the 17th pick. They still have, they're still going to be defensive linemen that are going to be available at, at number 17. Maybe they trade up with uh, their second and their 17th pick and move up closer to the, uh, the 11th or 12th pick in the first round and get the defensive player that they want. But if Dwayne Haskins is sitting there at six, you have to draft him. Yes, they have to. They need a quarterback. Eli can't play forever. Stand up there. Do you think Eli has any time left? I, I think Eli, if this offensive line keeps him up, he, he could have. I think he could have a decent season. I think he could have a decent last season. If I were him, I'd retire right after this. How's uh, how's the artwork working out for you over there? It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm getting some stuff done. You sound always beat, man. You're hanging out with women. Are you doing anything over there? I, I know you're. I threw my back out earlier. Oh, you threw your black. You threw your back out. Well, how'd you throw yeah. your back out? I have scoliosis. So. Oh, you have scoliosis. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's just something that I deal with every day. You do any push-ups? You do any pull-ups? Stay in shape? Not today. Not today. How many times a a month do you do push-ups and sit-ups? I do sit-ups uh, almost every day. Every day? How many do you do? Like 20. 20? 20 sit-ups? Come on, Kenny. I mean, you're sitting here, and right now you're watching the show right now. You should be doing sit-ups watching the show, listening to the show. I do an all-around stretching routine. Oh, really? Yeah. Talking to any women? Not today. Not today. Oh, you're just a Don Juan, man. Not today. Kenny, when one more question. Have this dinner? What happened? When are we going to have this dinner? When are we going to have the dinner? Oh, yes. And, and by the way, Kenny lost a bet uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, he owes all the all the guys on the network a Thanksgiving dinner with a cooked turkey. Right? We're going to go yeah. to Boston Market, right? You and your father are going to come right. out here? Yes. When is this happening? All right. I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I, I know I've been very, very busy, by the way, Kenny. It's been very, very hard for me. I know. I watch the shows. All right. You're a working guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for stay, you know, tuning in, and I'm not done with the show. But, uh, Kenny, I'm going to have to let you go, my friend. All right. Thanks for taking calls always. Absolutely. Kenny from upstate New York. Interesting fellow. Nice guy, really nice guy. He, you know, and it, it, it's funny when when I watch when I watch the Giants, and I, I don't take shots at the Giants. I listen to all the shows on this network. I listen to all the shows, and I I listen to Matt's show third and long, and he doesn't like Eli Manning and, and the Giants. And he wanted him. He wanted the Giants to draft Sam Darnold, but he's not mad of getting Saquon Barkley. I have said this over and over again. In ten years, the Giants are going to regret not drafting Sam Darnold. 
It is not easy to find a franchise quarterback. Look how long it took the Jets to find Sam Darnold. Almost 50 years. 50. And that brings me to this part of the show, and I call this Hit Me With Your Best Shot. And what I want to get into right now is what are the Giants going to do at this year's draft? And, and, and that, to me, is going to be fun to watch as it gets closer. And you're going to have to hit me, and you're going to have to smack me around, because if the Giants don't draft a quarterback, if the Giants don't draft a quarterback in the first round, they're going to set their team back for another five years. They're not getting to a next year. You're not, not going to suck for the Duck because they didn't even want to draft the Duck if the Duck was going to get into this year's draft. And even though the quarterback class is a little bit better than this year, you just don't know what quarterbacks. And they're not getting Lawrence. Lawrence next year. So the Giants are going to have to figure out what they're going to do and raise their priorities of finding a quarterback. Gettleman has never drafted a quarterback. And that, to me, is a big, huge problem on where the Giants are going. Not, well, not only with this organization, where this organization believes that they're going to go in the near future. We know how talented Saquon Barkley is. I, I, there's no question this guy is going to be a Hall of Fame player if he can stay healthy. Look at the numbers he did last year. Look at it. I still don't think the Giants... Even if they get Dwayne Haskins, how long is it going to take Dwayne Haskins to develop his skills in the NFL? It usually takes two to three years for a quarterback. Saquon Barkley, his rookie contract will be up in three years. He'll be going to, uh, I guess you call it arbitration. He could be franchised. He could be franchised twice, and he becomes a free agent. By the time he becomes a free agent, he's 29 years old. His career is practically over. You drafted a running back at number two, no matter how great he is, and you only really get six to seven. An average running back, good running back in this league, has five good seasons in the NFL. By the time Saquon Barkley has a quarterback that's legitimate, his career might be over. And to me, that's a wasted pick. But that's a story, guys. That's an absolute story. Where do the Giants go with the quarterback position? And, and, and that's, that's the most important position to find in all professional sports. Everybody knows the most important position in hockey going into the playoffs is goaltending. You don't have a good goaltender, you're not going to win a championship. If you have a hot goalie, no matter how, how talented or non-talented your team is, you have a very good chance of winning a championship. Baseball, pitching, great pitching always beats great offense. So if you have a dominant pitcher, you have a better chance of getting out of that round than the team that has the better offensive players. And even though defense wins championships in football... You need the quarterback to make the throws. You need the quarterback to get the throw, get the passes to the players that he needs to get the, play, uh, the the passes. And the plays are getting called by the quarterback at the line of scrimmage. And I, nevertheless, Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls, two. 
Eli Manning is now 38 years old. He's going to be 39 at the end of this year's this year. When is Dave Gettleman going to draft this quarterback? I know I, I hear it from Mikey C. He says, "Well, the Giants, if the Giants draft, if the Giants draft the quarterback, they're going to draft the quarterback next year." Or they're going to make a trade for Rose and give up a third-round draft pick. Listen, the only way Arizona is going to trade Rosen, the only way they're going to trade Rosen is if they get at least a two or a three. Maybe a two next year and a three this year. The Giants are going to have to give up at least, at least two picks for Josh Rosen. This is a guy that was drafted in the top 10. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing people, and I listen to Speedy, and I love Speedy. But Speedy keeps saying, well, San Francisco doesn't need a pass rusher. If Kyler Murray goes one, Nick Bosa's going two. It would be a complete bust for San Francisco. I don't care how many pass rushes they have. To solidify that defensive line with all number one draft picks. You add Nick Bose to that line with all those young players, that solidifies your defensive line for the next four years. You have the fr- you have the franchise quarterback. You gotta add some offensive players. To me, right now, Bose is going to. And if the Jets don't trade out, and if Josh Allen's sitting over there at three, I can't see the Jets not drafting Josh Allen. I'm sorry, all you Jet fans that that uh, say they should trade out and get themselves an offensive lineman or center that they need. Harrison played very, very well when he took over Spencer for, for Spencer Long in the second half of the season. He looked much better. Now, is he a top center in the league? No. Is this offensive line a top offensive line in football? No, but they could be a better line than they were last year because they added significant pieces in the offseason. But I'll tell you right now, when you look at the Giants, they need a quarterback, and I don't care. You cannot wait and expect something to happen next year. You can't because it doesn't happen that way. And this makes no sense. And even though I understand the Cowboys are trying to win this year, I have no idea what the Cowboys are doing. Because the Cowboys acquire uh, defensive lineman Robert Quinn from the Miami Dolphins for a 2026 round draft pick. It, it, it's interesting. I understand the Dolphins are not. They're, they're, they're going to try to suck for Tua. I, everybody knows what's going on with them. But they're taking on, first of all, the Cowboys uh, are taking on $8 million and a $1 million incentive to take on Quinn. They got to pay, and they're not paying their own guys. The Marcus Lawrence right now is expecting an $85, $90 million contract. He wants a contract like Khalil Mack. This is one of the best young pass rushers in the league right now. We know what the Dolphins are trying to do. They're trying to rebuild. They're going after the quarterback next year. 
Why would the why would the I understand they're trying to win right now and they lost um they lost uh their pass rusher that's going to be out four games cuz he's suspended for another drug uh drug policy rule for the NFL. And Robert Quinn is a great pass rusher. But why are you taking more when you still have to give a long-term deal to DeMarcus Lawrence? You're still going to have to pay Dak Prescott. You're still going to have to pay Amari Cooper. And everybody keeps saying, well, you don't have to pay Dak Prescott this year. Dak Prescott already came out, and he was talking about, well, Tom Brady, speaking of Tom Brady, about how, his, how rich his wife is and he doesn't need the money. Dak Prescott doesn't have anything. It comes from nothing. How about Zeke? Zeke's been talking about an extension for, for the last past year. When are they going to give an extension to Zeke? I understand they want to win. And I understand Randy, Randy Gregory is out for uh, a significant amount of time for his second drug substance uh, abuse policy um, situation. I don't think the Cowboys needed Randy Quinn. I don't. Does it help them? Does it benefit them? Yeah, it benefits them. To me right now, when you look at the state of the NFL and you look at some of these teams, and the Cowboys have a chance to be very, very good this year. They're not going to be the best team in that division because the Eagles made a significant amount of moves this offseason that made the team a lot better. All they gotta hurry, all they gotta worry about is Carson Wentz staying healthy. No more Nick Falls because he goes to the Jaguars. But this made no sense. Pay Demarcus Lawrence. Pay your big name pass rusher. Pay him what he wants. Ten and a half sacks last year. You're giving him guaranteed twenty point five million dollars. He wants a long term deal. Pay the guy. Why are you bringing in other guys? Makes no sense. None. And before we go, and I will be back next week, and it'll be a two-hour show uh, next week, and I'm going to have a special guest next week. I'm trying to get Manish Mehta on the show next week, uh, the Jets beat writer. I'm hoping that I can get him on the show, so it'll be fun to interview Manish and, and talk about where the Jets are going uh, in the draft and, and his thoughts of the acquisitions of Mosley and, and Crowder and the players and the Le'Veon Bell, the players that they brought in in the offseason and, and the money that they spent. But when you look at the state of sports right now, sports right now is at the top of the game. Now, I'll tell you this right now. What do you When you listen to music on the radio, what do you hear over and over again? You hear the top 40 over and over again. Sports is a part of life. Every day it's something new. Every story is something new. I know a lot of these sports shows, they talk about the same thing. The same thing. But to me right now, when you look at sports and where it is today, you have the British Open, you have the PGA coming over here again this year at Bethpage Black. You have the NHL, and the Islanders are probably going to squeak into the playoffs even though they haven't played well in the last couple of weeks. We have a New York team going into the playoffs. Obviously, the Knicks stink, but we might have a New York team. The Brooklyn Nets going into the playoffs uh, for Brooklyn. 
This is an exciting time, and they have the Yankees and the Mets that are playing good baseball. Here in New York and worldwide. It's an exciting time for sports. And everybody says, well, I don't like sports. Why would I listen to this? It's not just about sports. You can call about, you want to talk about the Kardashians? I'll tell you this right now. It is, uh, it's a mockery what the news is all about. You, you pop on Channel 7 right now, they're talking about somebody getting attacked on, the, on Avenue U or Flatbush Avenue or J-Lo's wearing uh, $6,000 shoes into the mall today with Alex Rodriguez. And Alex Rodriguez was wearing a seven, $7,000 hat. Who cares? March Madness is going on right now. Opening day for baseball is going on right now. The draft is right around the corner. The NBA lottery. Do the New York Knicks win the lottery for the first time since 1984 from Patrick Ewing? It's an exciting time, not only for New York sports, but worldwide sports. It's exciting. Well, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back next week below the mic. I will have special guests next week. I, I, I was going to do the show. Uh, I was taking the EMT course. I'm taking the EMT course right now at, Nisconset, at the Nisconset Fire Department. Shout out to Nisconset and all the guys, Andreas and all the new guys, all my um, probie buddies over there, Brian and Matt and all the guys. I want to give a shout out to all the guys, Chief John, Chief Dan, Chief AJ, all of them. All the guys, Chief Frank, thank you for taking me in with your brotherhood. And um, I'm hoping I can get through this EMT course. I'm going to tell you guys right now, this EMT course is a bitch. I'm telling you right now, it is a bitch. Not something I thought I would be doing. I want to help people, but uh, it's not something that I thought I would be doing. Anyways, uh, that's it for our show. I will be back next week with Below the Mic, and Down to the Wire will be on next Monday with me, Mikey C., Mark Salino, and Speedy Petey. Cage Den MMA tomorrow. Stay tuned, 6.30 tomorrow. We're going to have, yes, Bobby Campbell in the studio. Uh, We're going to have Sensei John Benedict and his guys. So we're going to have a full house. Cage Den MMA, we're going to talk about Conor McGregor retiring. Is he really retiring? Me and Rodney will get into that tomorrow. Until tomorrow, and until... The show's tomorrow, the Haystack and Chalk Talk and, and Third and Long. This is Errol Marks at Below the Mic saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.